The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We are live on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hello, my name is Chris Crawford. With me today is Ryan Boyer. Today is Saturday, June 17th, and we're going to go over some headlines, and we're also going to talk about some players. Last week, me and Drew, that that rascal, that Drew Silva, we went and talked about some guys who were underperforming and whether or not we believed in him. We're going to do the opposite this week. We're going to take a look at some players that were not selected with a high draft pick and whether or not we are selling or whether we do believe that this is going to be a long-term thing. But let's start with some headlines. And Ryan, why don't you talk about one of the more impressive debuts that we've seen in the last couple of years, Emmett Sheehan taking a a no-no into, well, he would have taken it into the seventh if he would have gotten that chance. But pretty darn impressive from Emmett Sheehan in his MLB debut on Friday against the Giants. Yeah, six six no-hit innings. Versus San Francisco in that debut, only only three strikeouts and two walks. Only had somewhat surprisingly, I think, only just four whiffs on eighty nine pitches. Right, um, zero of which were on his his changeup. Which you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe is viewed as his best secondary offering. Correct. Um, so that was a bit of a surprise. He went. He did go fastball heavy. That's. Kind of his mo about seventy percent usage with his fastball. Um, I think he got three of the four whiffs with his fastball, maybe one with the slider, but he threw a whole bunch of fastballs. He's got kind of that um, kind of Joe Ryan thing, but with a little more velocity, where he like his fastball is doesn't have much spin at all, so it gives that perception of rise. Uh, he usually gets. A decent number of swings and misses usually, I think, with the with the, that pitch. Not so much in his debut, but obviously we're not going to complain about six no-hit innings from a, <laughs> a guy who – I think when you said when we were discussing him before, you, you thought maybe he's still a reliever over the long haul possibly. Um, I know when he was drafted, he didn't really didn't – put up great numbers in college. I don't think a lot of people thought he was going to be a, sure. going to be a reliever, but he always had that, always had that big arm and, you know, the Dodgers are give them some, uh, some clay and they can mold it and they've done it with Emmett Sheehan. So yeah, definitely an impressive debut and looks like he's going to at minimum. I mean, even if he wasn't in line for it after this performance, he was going to get 
at least one more start. Uh, I suspect probably probably more. Uh, Noah Syndergaard. I mean, I don't know if he's going to make any more starts for the Dodgers at this point. Right. Julio Urias is still working his way back from the hamstring. So Sheehan, at minimum, is going to get another turn. And most likely, I think, probably more than that. Yeah, I would assume so. And Roberts did say he would make at least one more start. It will be on uh, a kind of extended rest. And one of the reasons for that is because the, the Dodgers have about 19 off days the rest of the month of June. It's a very weird schedule that they – and a lot of teams have, actually. There's going to be a, quite a few teams that are going to – you're not going to go to a whole heck of a lot of two-start options over these next couple of weeks, to be honest, because of how many Monday and Thursdays are off. But yeah, I was really impressed with Sheehan and, you know, didn't get a ton of swing and miss, but his expected batting average on the night was 152, which is very good. You know, anytime you make contact, you got a pretty good chance of getting a hit. So to get 152 while only striking out three guys is pretty impressive. And I think the swings and miss will come. Like you said, was extremely fastball heavy. I believe he was at Something like 70% fastball for the game. He threw 14 changeups, a 69.7, a, a very nice figure for him in that regard uh, through 13 sliders as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm a believer in Joe Sheehan. Uh, Drew and I will talk about this. You're a believer in Joe Sheehan? Me too. He's, uh, he's yeah, gonna, you know what's funny is gonna... I made that. I made that tweet, too, to Joe Sheehan and told him he did a very good job pitching as well. So I think this is karma for me making that. Not paradise. the first time, won't be the last. Oh, absolutely not. But yeah, Emmett Sheehan. Emmett Smith is who I would go out and get on, on the fab <laughs> uh, fab waiver wire. But no, I well, Drew and I will definitely talk about that on Sunday, but somebody go target. Unfortunately, we have some negative news as well, Ryan. Tristan McKenzie. So McKenzie was supposed to start and then got scratched with an elbow injury, underwent an MRI in Phoenix. Results of that have not been available just yet, but this is obviously bad news. Anytime you're talking about an MRI MRI on an elbow, you are almost assuredly talking about an injured list stint. Uh, McKenzie was really good in his first start and not so much in the second one. I would imagine we're going to be seeing an injured list stint for McKenzie soon. Uh, even if the MRI comes back extremely clean, you'll hear something like elbow inflammation or some sort of flexor injury, soreness, whatever. You're almost assuredly going to be without McKenzie for a couple of weeks. Even if this was the most precautionary of precautionary of scratches, it is a bummer. It is interesting, too. Uh, we saw Tuki Toussaint, which honestly had no idea he was still in a professional organization. It was a huge fan of Tuki Toussaint. Not that long ago, not so much a huge fan of him uh, for the long term. I would be interested to see if this is a long term thing, whether or not we would see Gavin Williams maybe see take his roster spot. I would be prepared to make fab bids if that is the case. Uh, probably not necessarily happening next week, but something that you definitely want to keep an eye on. I think he goes up on my imminent arrivals article. He'll be a little bit higher, especially depend. Well. He'll definitely be higher just because there's some call-ups and stuff, but also a little bit higher because I think that this could be kind of matched up perfectly because all due respect to some of those other arms, I do think Gavin Williams is the best option. We've talked about that ad nauseum, Ryan, how much we like Gavin Williams when as soon as he does get that opportunity. But I would be prepared for putting Tristan McKenzie on your injured list as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, and this is just what you mentioned his second start back from a, a shoulder injury. Right. So, yeah, 
you add the shoulder to the to the elbow. Not a not a great sign for uh, you know. We've mentioned uh, in the past Tristan McKenzie, not exactly the sturdiest build guy, sturdy sturdy sturdily built guy. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah. And when you add a shoulder injury, add an elbow injury to a shoulder injury with a, a pretty slight frame, that's not right. Not a great sign. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what the MRI says. I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, at minimum, even if it's just if it's quote unquote only um, elbow inflammation, I mean, he's surely going to go on the IL. Uh, they have uh, Cal Quantrill's out with a shoulder issue. Peyton Love is a batting field, is uh, <laughs> I believe coming back from a a shoulder injury as well. I'm I'm not sure about that, but so they have those potential options. But you mentioned, you know, Gavin Williams. I think it was last week. I said I th- I think they're going to wind up trading Shane Bieber and calling Gavin Williams up then, but. Maybe it's sooner. Unfortunately, could be because uh, a guy that we all like quite a bit, uh, Tristan McKenzie, is is going down with an injury. But hopefully it will be relatively short term. More Guardians news. Yes. Um, This one caught me a little by surprise. Not necessarily that they decided to give Bo Naylor a shot, but... A little surprised they completely cut bait with Mike Zanino um, yeah. for no other reason than, I mean, they gave him, the Guardians aren't into eating money. They, <laughs> they are, a, a, let's call them a thrifty organization. Frugal. Gave, yes, frugal. Gave Mike Zanino a, a one-year $6 million deal over the offseason. He uh, didn't make half a season. I mean, he was terrible. Yeah, uh, offensively, without a doubt, and you know a lot of swing and miss. But that's that's what Mike Zanino was. But he usually mixes in some some hot streaks as well, and he really hadn't done that at all. Um, coming back from thoracic outlet surgery, so you never know. But usually, that's more a thing with pitchers that we worry about. But you know, he's a he is a catcher, and they do a lot of throwing as well. So yeah, could have been affected by that by that rehab and that return. Um, but the positive news, Bo Naylor is going to be, I don't know if he's officially been promoted yet, but he is being called up today. Yep. Um, you know, he's Josh Naylor's uh, younger brother, by the way, uh, the Naylor bros in that same, that same organization, mm-hmm. 891 OPS and 13 home runs at triple a Columbus this year. And in June, he had a 10, 12 OPS with four home runs already so far this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, just two stolen bases this year, but he actually stole 20 bases in 2022 and 10 without being caught in 2021, which was like about ha- equated to about a half a season for him. So he's one of those fairly rare catcher athletes who can actually chip in in the stolen base department as well, like a JT Real Muto type. I'm not going to say he's going to turn into JT Romuto, but sure. If you can stick a guy in your catcher slot and add some stolen bases here and there, that's a nice little bonus. Um, and the bat is is exciting. 
Um, I don't know. Are you, I don't think I'm going to pick Bo Naylor up in a one catcher league. Maybe, mm. maybe if you have an extra spot to play with on your bench, but he definitely needs to be scooped up in two catcher leagues. Yeah, for sure. It's a must add in two catcher leagues just because, I mean, I can't imagine what you're, what great catcher you would be dropping in order to roster him for. I don't, I'm not sure if he's a top dozen catcher right away, but I'd like to have him on my bench to see what happens here. Like the talent is really special. Like he has a chance for plus power. He has an excellent approach at the plate. I would be rostering him. I think in on base percentage leagues. Now look, we've seen plenty of prospects who have an excellent approach at the plate and that just doesn't carry over into the long term, right? Like, we have seen that happen ad nauseum, but I said ad nauseum twice in this podcast, by the way. I guess I'm getting smarter. Um, ad nauseum, ad nauseum. Yes. <laughs> but he, he is a good athlete. I thought the comments from uh, James Harris, who's their assistant general manager and a former uh, player development guy for them, about wanting him to come up and be the guy when he comes up like they want they don't want him to be an up and down option which you know he's made his MLB debut very short stints in his MLB debut but he has played a little bit in that regard especially this year I think he has total of two at bats but he did rank second on my imminent arrivals list for a reason now he kind of I kind of cheated I had him at 1a or I had a 1a 1b and a 2 this week because of a player we'll talk about in just one sec but I do believe in the talent we have also seen though Catching is probably the hardest um, to predict in terms of short term because there's lots of Sean Murphy's, but there's also and lots of there are cases of Adley Rutschman. There's lots of cases of like how terrible Cal Rally was when he first got called up. It's a very hard transition. All that being said, if you are have a like a catcher 10, 11, 12 on your roster type of thing. I'm adding Naylor and seeing if that guy can be that guy. If you're one of those people who's fortunate enough to have Will Smith or Adley Rutschman or something like that, I'm probably steering clear, but there is absolutely justification to roster those guys. Uh, Another guy who is worth rostering in my humble estimation is Luis Matos, who received his call up. Unfortunately for this Seattle Mariner baseball fan in circumstances that kind of break my heart a little bit, Uh, but Luis Matos was excellent in the minor leagues. He had just posted a literally at the homer before he was removed from the lineup had gotten his OPS up to 1.2 in AAA after having a very nice stint in AA. Unfortunately, the reason he gets to call up is because Mitch Hanniger uh, fractured his ulna. And now here's the weird thing here, Ryan. It was actually good news that we found out it was a fractured ulna because instead of it being a typical forearm break, the time frame here went down dramatically. It did look like Mitch Haniger was going to be out for the year. They're now saying 10 weeks, which is a little bit of good news. And, you know, maybe somebody that you could justify putting on your injured list. I would absolutely also consider cutting bait with Mitch Haniger as well, because he just doesn't provide quite enough fantasy upside. So if you're short on injured list stints, but I'm all in on Luis Matos as being a guy to go pick up. He has a plus plus hit tool. Bounced back very nicely from his disappointing 2022 season in the minor leagues. Um, has a swing that is built to hit for average, but has also really started to tap into his power. He's a fast guy. I wouldn't expect a ton of stolen bases, mainly because the Giants just don't run a whole heck of a lot. So that would be with a one little caveat here. Already playing center field, which I think is really interesting too. Um, I thought they may play him in left field and right field positions that he's played before as well. But I would absolutely be going to get Luis Matos. 
he would be someone who would be near the top of my fob bids, but that's a little bit of spoiler for Sunday show as well. Yeah, and he was batting second for the for the Giants as well. Um, so that's yeah. that's encouraging yeah. to see they're throwing him right into the into the mix here. There, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know what don't know what really happened in 2022 with him. He had a Oof. the numbers were really dreadful. I I mean I, I read when he was when he was getting called up that the Giants actually like it didn't seem like it was a slam dunk that they would add him to the 40 man over the over the off season, maybe they would leave him exposed right. in the rule, rule five draft thinking that coming off that terrible season that people might not pick him up, but obviously they did add him to the 40 man and that's looking like a great decision. I mean, he was, obvi- he was arguably the hottest hitter in all the minor leagues when, when they called him up. Right. Um, already has three walks, no strikeout so far makes a lot of contact. Um, as you mentioned, good good approach at the plate. The raw power is there. Has some speed as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think especially in five outfielder leagues, he definitely needs to be needs to be rostered. Um, as far as Hanniger goes, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, if you have that extra IL spot to play with, sure, go ahead and go ahead and bench him or keep him on the bench. But, you know. I don't think you need to go out of your way to to hang on to him. Uh, unfortunately, it's been a litany of of injuries for uh for Mr. Mr. Hanniger and uh add another one to the list. Let me ask you something I just thought of, Ryan. If you're playing in a fantasy league, do you think if somebody is placed, would you be interested in a fantasy league where if a hitter, so you know how somebody goes on the 60 day injured list, it opens up a 40 man roster spot. Would you be interested in playing in a league where if a fantasy player goes on the 60 day injured list, it opens up an extra injured list spot for somebody else? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I feel like that would probably lead to a lot of, um, people just kind of stashing all the injured players. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so maybe that would be one reason to go against it. I haven't I haven't heard of that scenario though. That's that's interesting. You may have you may have stumbled upon something there. I, I, I could be kind of interested. It, maybe you have a limit of like two sixty day IL spots, sure. but it does open those extra two roster spots. You know, in today's day and age where roster manipulation happens so much, guys who go on the 60 DIL so late too now, you know what I mean? But um, because it doesn't happen until they absolutely need to clear that roster spot because heaven forbid you have to pay somebody uh, as soon as they get that 40-man roster spot. Uh, But I do think that was uh, somewhat interesting. I promise you it's my last interesting idea of the day. I wish I wish I was in that kind of league um, earlier this week when I was forced to uh, cut Chris Sale loose. Yeah, it's it's a tough decision there. Like he's probably going to be out until I mean, he's not going to be eligible for activation until beginning of August and not a guarantee he'll be back at that point. And, you know, coming back from a, a shoulder injury, how, how much is he going to be built up? So, yeah, that's my – I was just really encouraged by what we saw at a Chris Sale for a while there. And I – Yeah. He was he was one of my big hits. Um, I mean, obviously he had the terrible numbers for the 
the first couple starts. So the overall numbers don't look that awesome, but he had really been really turned the corner and kind of looked a little bit like old Chris Sale. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. A little bit of an aside there, but that, that made me think of that. No, absolutely. Yeah. Here it's, it's a bummer because he, struggled so much coming out of the gate and then uh unfortunately when he said cut chris sale all i could think of was a bunch of jersey jokes to make for you but uh <laughs> we'll save that for another thing a uh, real quick also max muncie placed on the injured list on friday with his hamstring issue it sounds like this is going to be a minimum stint we've talked ad nauseum about the fact that minimum stints are usually not minimum stints, but this one actually does sound like it's going to be a short-term thing. Uh, Michael Bush, who I like in the long term, uh, was called up. I think he's going to just be a bench bat over these next couple of weeks, so or uh, possibly just this week, more of emergency depth type thing, except Chris Taylor also was injured on Friday, uh, so there's a possibility that Bush could be become more interesting. Maybe take a uh, look and see. He's definitely going to be out of the lineup on Saturday. David Peralta also left that game with an injury. I hate to feel bad for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Ryan, but I kind of do. The amount of injuries that they have dealt with is absolutely insane. Um, by the way, real quick before we get into the second half of the show. Is that one of the worst two blands of all time? Please tell me you saw the end of the, the Giants-Dodgers game last night. I didn't actually, know. Oh, my Fill God. Okay, so there's a runner on second base. There's a pop-up. This is really hard to explain. So there's a pop-up in the infield, runner on second base, uh, and Casey Schmidt drops it. And then throws the ball to first base and overthrows the the like a terrible throw. So there should be runners on second and third with one out. But mm-hmm. Mookie Betts thought that who hit the pop-up thought that Michael Bush had kept running. So he overran and then it ended up being a pickle between the two. So instead of having oh second and gosh. third and one out and a seven to five game ends up being a uh, a one out, two out third base situation. I will link you Ryan afterwards to see it because I'm underselling wow. it. It is one of it is Ruben Rivera esque and very interesting to see from somebody who is such a smart player like Mookie Betts. But uh, two blands are always fun to see, and it's a nice reminder that even people as good as Mookie Betts can make mistakes as well. But yeah, I'm going to be linking that to you for sure, and Please I'll do. get your live I'll get your live reaction uh, after the show. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to get into those overperforming options and whether we believe in them or not. But first, let's take a quick little commercial break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed 
on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. So let's talk about those late round performers who've done pretty well. And Ryan, why don't you start with Yandy Diaz, who is somebody that I think we've all kind of liked, but also been incredibly frustrated with because of situation. Like, I don't know how the Rays get away with a 68-man active roster to have all of these platoons, but they do. But Yandy Diaz has been really good. Um, is he somebody that you're selling high on, or is this something that you kind of believe in for 2023? Yeah, I, mo- I mostly believe in it. Um, yeah, y- Yandy Diaz, number five, first baseman, number five, third baseman, number 30 overall hitter so far. 923 OPS, 12 home runs, um, already three more than last season and two off his career high. You look at that stat cast page, there's a lot of red yes. for Yandy Diaz. Basically, um, other than the – if you exclude the defensive stuff, which Yandy is uh, not known for his glove. Um, yeah. Oddly, you would think, like, because he hits the ball so hard and he's such a massive human being, it's like, oh, he's got a – have a just otherworldly barrel rate, but you also got to remember the barrel rate also factors in ideal launch angle as well. And Yanni Diaz uh, hits a lot of ground balls um, there for a while earlier this season. Um, the launch angle had gone up a bit, um, not so much the last you know month ish. It's down to about what it was last year and. Um, the last uh, the last few years, so he's you know the he's got the twelve home runs. I don't know that I would certainly not count on that pace continuing. Um, if I set the over under at twenty home runs, uh, I, I think it's pretty close for me. I, I I mean he's he's got outstanding play discipline though, especially in OBP leagues. Um, He's a guy I'm completely buying into. Um, late last month, he missed some games with the Rays. Just said a a personal issue, um, and he also had a hip inju- injury recently as well. And kind of since that date, he hasn't been that great. Mm-hmm. Um, OPS right around like 700. I think it's like a 17 game stretch or so. So maybe it's maybe it's nothing, but. That's something to uh, kind of keep in the back of your mind. Um, that's when the launch angle kind of started to kind of go back back down as well. Um, mostly buying into Yanni Diaz. He also has had some injuries over the years. Um, so it's not just the the raised raise platoon stuff that has kind of kept his overall plate appearances down. Um He's he's dealt with not any major injuries that I can recall, but um, stuff here and there. So you can probably count on an on an IL stint coming at some point, but mostly buying into uh, what Yanni Diaz has done. I am too. I will say this: the thing that maybe concerns me the most about Yandy Diaz is not Yandy Diaz; it's if the Rays decide that Kyle Manzardo is worth the call up because. Kyle Manzardo is a much more, all due respect to Yandy Diaz, Kyle Manzardo has a much higher upside than Yandy Diaz is. He is one of the best hitting prospects in baseball, regardless of position. He's had, 
kind of a so-so AAA year, but the talent is out of this world. Could have an 80-grade hit tool, and he's got 60-grade power as well. If they determine that's the best option is him playing first base, it wouldn't shock me. Now, it's tough, again, because there's limited roster spots. I don't know how the Rays get away with these platoons. I It seems like their roster must have some sort of special exemption. Maybe the way the Cardinals get extra draft picks, that's the way the, the Rays get extra roster <laughs> spots or something like that. But it is uh, at the the talent for Yandy Diaz is special too. Like he can make hard contact to every part of the field. He has good power. I love him hitting at the top of the Tampa Bay lineup as well. So that's that's certainly something to keep in mind. If somebody goes nuts and offers you something great, sure. But uh, yeah, Manzardo would be the one thing I'd be concerned about. I, I would add just real quickly, if you're in a, a league that, has biceps as a category. He's, I mean, he's a, <laughs> he's a first round round yeah. pick all the way, maybe first overall. Him and him and what Tyler O'Neill would probably have to yeah. fight for that. Yeah, that would be that an interesting spot. fight. You have to stash would... Tyler O'Neill in your IL though. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Ryan, come on, come on, Ryan. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about another Ray and Josh Lowe, who credit to our our buddy Allen who put up the great pun of of the buy low thing. Uh, Josh Lowe was terrible in his rookie season. He has not been terrible so far in 2023. Uh, it is worth pointing out that he's gone through a little bit of struggles in June. Um, but the fact that he hasn't hit homers, he's been buoyed by the fact that he's stolen bases. He's st- stolen four. A terrific athlete. It's interesting to me to point out that when he was drafted, he was a third baseman slash pitcher. And now he's a very good outfielder with very good speed. So <clears throat> I went kind of back and forth on this one a little bit, but ultimately I do agree, Alan, that we should buy low because I do think that the power is going to start showing up again. He's barreling the baseball in the 77th percentile. He's well above average and expected batting average. That's sprint speed again. He's running. The Rays are running, folks. The, that is one thing that has been really nice to see. Obviously, Wander Franco has been uh, a speed demon, even without having demon speed it's been very interesting to see how good he has been in that stolen base thing i certainly didn't expect him to be this good but it is nice to see him in that category stop talking about wander franco chris you're supposed to talk about josh low uh the the whiffs are a little concerning his approach can be kind of wonky it goes kind of goes in spurts in terms of drawing walks but i think josh low is a really good talent that the rays are going to give playing time to this is we talked about the platoon thing that's my other concern is Josh Lowe isn't playing against right-handers, but he's going to be in the lineup or excuse me, left-handers. Yeah. yeah he's he's gonna, literally he's gonna, made zero starts all season. And that, and that's the, probably the biggest concern is if you go on a run where, you know, he's facing seven Southpaws in a row, you're not going to see Josh Lowe in the lineup, but against a right-hander, you can guarantee Josh Lowe is going to be in there. And that's the majority of time. That's how as a left-hander, I can tell you this world isn't fair and where there's not enough of us, but I, there, there are going to be more good than bad from Josh Lowe because of the fact that he gets to play. And because at the very least, he's going to help you a lot, I think in the stolen base category. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm with you in, uh, buying, buying low, yes, buying, buying low L O W E (laughs) buying high as in buying high because he's performing well. And now that's my, Okay. Let's let's move along. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm a believer in low too, but like you mentioned, um, 
you know, does it surprise anybody, by the way, that the Rays are the team that's taking advantage most of the, nope. the stolen base rules? I mean, they're just going crazy on the on the base paths. Yeah, yeah. That's a it's a smart uh, organization. Also, also frugal as well. Let's uh, frugal indeed. Let's say that. Another left-handed batter who was uh, in the midst of a bit of a breakout is Nolan Nolan Gorman. Number 11, uh, second baseman so far, number 47 overall hitter. Got an 828 OPS, 15 home runs, um, already more than last season. 46 RBI are tied for fourth in the National League. That's the good. The bad is June has not been a kind month so far to, to Mr. Gorman. 481 OPS and... Chris, hide your eyes, hide your ears. 52.1% strikeout rate so far in June Ooh. for Nolan Gorman. And he he did – the first 10 lefties the Cardinals faced this season, Gorman was on the bench. And then when he was in the midst of this just incredible run, started giving him a chance against lefties, started four or five. But then these last two games against lefties, he's been back on the bench. Um I suspect when the Cardinals start to get a little more healthy, uh, Tommy Edmond probably going to come back to the to the infield once Lars Newbark is activated, which it sounds like it's going to be in the next uh, next week. Um, and I think at that point we could see Gorman being benched a little more again against lefties. You know the overall numbers I buy in to Gorman. Um, I mean, he's down to like a 244 average, something like that. I think that's probably about what you should expect. You know, he went through his numbers still from like a chase rate perspective are still really good, like very much improved uh, from last season. He really worked on he's kind of standing more upright at the plate so he could get to that high fastball a little better. That worked for the first six, seven weeks, not so much since then. I do think he's going to be a guy who's probably going to be ultimately streaky, and I'm not sure he's going to be able to hit lefties. He wasn't great against lefties in the minors. Right. And you see so many times um, these big prospects who are good against lefties in the minors doesn't really work out so much in the majors. You don't see very often where they actually improve against lefties in the majors. Yes. So. Yeah, um, I would not count on that from from Nolan Gorman, and I think the at bats could drop a little bit because he, like I mentioned, Tommy Edmund probably coming back to the infield soon. What did you say his rank was in among second baseman again? I'm sorry about that. I should have paid eleventh. Uh, that actually surprises me. I thought he would be a little higher just because that position isn't exactly my favorite. But that I sure yeah. I'm sure has to do with the fact that the average has dropped so much. Love right. Nolan Gorman long term. I do. My biggest concern about him long term is the fact in fantasy, it's probably a DH. Like that, you're going to have to probably put him in that utility spot unless, like, uh, you know, Nolan Arenado switches to shortstop or something like that. That is, I mean, probably going to be. Hey, you know. Jordan Walker might be playing his way into a into a DH role. Yeah, so. that's into that's a. Ryan, we're not going to be depressed about the St. Louis Cardinals today, buddy. There, there's enough. There's enough, I'm in a, enough I'm in a, going on. I'm in a perpetual state of uh, despair, Chris. I, to, 
I totally understand, my friend. I totally understand. Uh, a division rival that I wanted to talk about of those guys is Jack Sawinski. Uh, Jack Sawinski was not a guy who was on fantasy radars unless you're related to Jack Sawinski. If you happen to be listening to this podcast, hello. We would love to have him on the show. Uh, he has been really strong this year, especially from a power point of view. Uh, has hit 15 homers. After a very bad June, he hit 207, or excuse me, May. He hit a 207, 316, 415 in that month. He's bounced back quite nicely now, only hitting 242. But 395 on base percentage, 636 slugging percentage. And the approach that the plate has been really strong to go with the power, like we said. Four homers. He has drawn eight walks. Has not stolen a base. And that's one of the reasons why I think I might be selling high on Sawinski. He certainly has the speed to be a stolen base guy. That that run of stolen bases that he had earlier in the year just kind of pitter-pattered. And we're not going to see, I think, a guy who's on pace to steal 15 to 20 bags for the rest of the year. If you're looking to acquire some pop, I certainly would be interested. There is no doubt that that guy can hit a baseball a very long way. And his defense is going to put him in the lineup more often than not. My concern with him is that there's the stolen bases have gone by the wayside and the fact that he is always going to strike out a ton and the average just isn't going to be there. Kind of like a faster version of Nolan Gorman, to be completely honest with you. Very similar profiles in terms of that. I would take Gorman long-term over Sawinski, but for the short term, I think that they're pretty comparable. And I think I'd probably be looking to sell high on him. He's somebody I recommended as an ad uh, not that long ago, but we're talking about at this point, like somebody's going to be desperate for some pop. And if he's somebody that you can move to go get some nice stuff for somebody who just really trying to win that home run category, I would absolutely be into a Jackson Winsky trade. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you pretty much covered it. You mentioned, you know, he's capable of hitting the ball a, a very long way. Uh, I Statcast categorizes like the different home runs, like barely gone and <laughs> mostly gone and no doubters. I think he actually leads all of baseball and no doubters. That is correct. Yeah. So he, I mean, he, I don't know how many, uh, what's the, what's the water, the body of water that's just beyond the PNC. Um, oh, getting, we're getting into geography talk. Here, I, but I should know. I, this I wonder how many splash, I, I, I'm wondering how many splash hits he, uh, he has. I know that's, that body of water is not as easy to hit as uh, the Bay and in, in, in San Francisco, but. I suspect with with Jack's uh, what he's good at, he's he's probably reached it a few times. But Allegheny River, yeah. it came to me. I, I knew it would River. come to me. I knew it started with an A, but yeah, that was important. To there we go. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm pretty much with you. He's going to strike out a whole bunch. I don't know if he's going to hit lefties, but he's going to provide plenty of pop, um, some speed, I think, and the home runs are going to be there. The average probably not. Um, but you know, what your, depending on what your expectations are. And I, I think most people figure that's probably what he, what he's going to bring to the table. And I do think he can, can continue to bring that, even though it might be inconsistent. Um, a guy who has not been inconsistent, it's been quite good from the jump this year, Spencer steer, that trade, um, I think the I think the Reds are going to be uh, pretty happy they made that trade. I think we discussed oh, yeah. that a bit last week. Yeah, but during the Encarnacion Strand talk, uh, but Spencer Steer, 
at first base, the number nine fantasy first baseman so far, also number nine at, at third base, number 44 overall as, as far as hitters go. 824 OPS, nine home runs, six stolen bases. A um, little bit of a surprise. Five of those have come in June. I'm not sure what's uh, what's going on what's going on there, but he's he's never really been a stolen base guy, but he's picked that up there. The Statcast page is a little underwhelming. Doesn't hit the ball incredibly hard, uh, but he also doesn't strike out much. Um, hits a good number of fly balls. He, he's got a decent pull rate and. You might have heard that Great American Ballpark, if you can hit the ball in the air and you can pull the ball, you really don't even need to pull the ball that much. Just hit it in the air and it's going to fly out of there and land in somebody's bowl of skyline chili. (laughs) Um, Yes, maybe that would be an actual improvement for that cuisine if you put a big (laughs) ball in there. I don't know. Yeah, we could see also – is he going to gain outfield eligibility? That's a possibility. Um, he, uh, I know yesterday he made another start in the outfield. I think that's three for him. Um, they are also trying out Christian Encarnacion Strand and right field. I saw at Triple uh, A Louisville. So the Reds are um, really interesting team right now, and I'm very interested to see how they're going to make all these pieces work. But Spencer Steer, you know, especially. When you talk about Ellie De La Cruz, he, his upside compares to very few. Um, Spencer Steer is not a high upside guy. I think he's more of a floor play, but a guy with a pretty good floor who's going to be elevated even more by Great American Ballpark. So I, I'm I'm buying into what he's what he's doing. I am as well. Real quickly, a couple of people brought up in the chat that. Christopher Morrell has gotten insanely hot again. I'm not sure about again, but to be fair, he's just been insanely hot. Uh, although he did go through a little bit of a lull, so that's fair. Um, talk about a guy who did not have a ton of um, high fantasy expectations, and they were extremely diminished when he didn't make the roster for to begin 2023, which was a big surprise. So here's my take on Christopher Morrell, and somebody also asks here, rest of season, Jimenez or Morrell. Give me Morrell pretty easily. Uh, Andre Jimenez, one of the bigger uh, fantasy disappointments for me of 2023. Um, unless he uh, starts playing at that level of the 2022, I would take Christopher Morrell. I would also look to be selling Morrell a little bit high. I don't think he's quite this power hitter. Like a guy who is slugging 700 and on pace to hit something like if you combine his time in AAA, something like 45 to 50 homers, I don't think he's that guy, but I do think he's like at least a little bit legit. He is a very talented baseball player who showed real flashes of brilliance in 2022 as well. I would be looking to add Christopher Morrell if possible, but if somebody goes nuts and is thinking that this is a legitimate 40 home run type of guy, I'd be looking to sell. I know we didn't talk about Morrell before the show, Ryan, but are you kind of uh, in the same wavelength there? And don't make a mushroom joke. Don't make a mushroom joke. <laughs> I got a, I got into a little bit of a, a back and forth actually with a, a guy in the comments of my last article. He was, I, I think I wrote something about Morrell just saying that uh, he's, I would not count on him being reliable, which I didn't think that was going to be something controversial. He's kind of the de- definition of a guy who's going to be unreliable because he's just going to be so streaky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's, I don't know, I, I it seems like I'm maybe a little bit lower on him than than you. I, I would take Andres Jimenez over him rest of the season. Oh, interesting. 
Um, I just think that the the playing time probably will be there. I, I suspect the Cubs will wind up trading Cody Bellinger if he's healthy, maybe sell off some other other pieces as well. I think the uh, Morel, what he does have going for him, I would say, is he's probably a better fantasy player than real life player. Interesting. Um, like the the plate discipline is terrible. I, I, I don't think the average is going to be there, but he could still be a twenty twenty guy potentially, even with the uh, the poor the poor rate stats. So, yeah. I'm I'm a little lower on him than you, I think, but he's 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 definitely interesting. Yeah, that's fair. I I mean, I just the fact that we have Andre Semenes this late in the season, like dead last in average exit velocity and close to last in hard hit percentage, really scares me. Be nice if he made well. The one thing he does make up is he doesn't strike out, so he does have a that going for him. But I'm just not sure if we're going to see enough power from him to justify me going with morel but it'll be interesting uh winner uh gets uh tickets to the battle hawks next year or something like that i don't know we'll see we'll we'll, we'll pay close attention to that uh nathan Ivaldi is another guy that i wanted to talk about and now look the reason Ivaldi wasn't a high draft pick i think had more to do with the fact that he has just struggled to stay healthy more than anything he has only made 30 starts uh let's take a look here oh yeah twice Twice in his career has he made that mark. But he has been excellent in 2023 with a 2.59 ERA. You can talk about how flawed the win stat is, but playing for that very good Texas Rangers team, he's already picked up nine. This is an interesting one for me, Ryan, because at this point in the season, you would think that you really wouldn't want to be moving Eovaldi. I'd be kind of tempted to put out some flyers for him just because, one, there have been injury stint history with him he's not someone i necessarily trust to stay healthy and two while he's been very good i don't think he's been quite as good as the metrics suggest he has 92 strikeouts in 93 and two-thirds innings that's not exactly elite bat missing in the year of 2023 uh, he does throw a lot of strikes i think texas has also been very helped by playing a very terrible schedule to open the year seems like they've played oakland 26 times we <laughs> that's not sustainable unfortunately especially in the balanced schedule but i think Eovaldi is somebody i'd be looking to sell high on if i can get a couple of quality starting pitchers for him i'd probably be doing it i have no problem if i'm holding on to him because i do think the rangers are going to provide a lot of win stats it's very difficult for me to see him posting a 2.59 ERA for the rest of the season. He has never had an ERA below three, which look again, that's not an insult. It's hard to have an ERA below three in the era that he's pitched in, but this is kind of a career year times two so far with for Eovaldi certainly possible in his 12th season of major league baseball, that this is a breakout campaign for him, but I would actually be looking to sell high on Eovaldi if I can. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you mentioned the the injury concerns. I mean, he didn't get a what, what wound up getting two years, thirty four million for a guy who's what is he thirty one? He's he, I mean, he's not he's not not an old guy. No. And I think all teams would agree he had at least number two, number three starter upside. Those guys are generally going to get a bigger contract it's because of the potential injury concerns. Velocity was down uh, late last season, but obviously 
He's been great. He, he is a guy who it always seems like he should be missing more bats than he does. Like he's always been win healthy, one of the hardest throwing starters in baseball. Um, but he's his strikeout rate is always like average ish. Um, one thing he does have work in his favor. He's got awesome control. The whip is always going to be good with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the run support is obviously going to be there with the Rangers. I do think it could make make sense to to shop him around. Though I'm I'm with you in that in that regard. Sure. Um, another Rays guy I wanted to talk about, Luke Rayleigh. Mm. Yes. Did you think we were going to be talking about Luke Rayleigh in 2023, Christopher no, Crawford? Sir. No, sir. Heck no at all. <laughs> number number 11 fantasy first baseman so far. Number 24 fantasy outfielder. As far as hitter goes, number 52 overall. He's got a 947 OPS, 12 home runs and eight stolen bases. Going back to the, those Rays just running wild. Seven of those were in May. I don't know yeah. what happened in May, but he – Obviously ran wild. The stat cast page for Luke Rayleigh is, I mean, that thing has has the measles, Chris. It's just uh, <laughs> filled with a lot of red dots. Sure. Third in bail rate in all of baseball, Luke Rayleigh is. Yeah. And, like, you, the speed, not expecting that from him. Going back to the minors, he never was never really a base dealer, but he actually ranks in the 87th percentile in sprint speed, so – Faster than uh, you would think for a guy who's, you know, generally a first baseman and a big dude. And obviously the the Rays have cracked the code better than most teams for these new stolen base rules. So maybe he can potentially get to 20 stolen bases. I don't know. Um, I would take the under on that. He's a guy like Josh Lowe, though. He's not going to play against lefties. They're going to strictly platoon him. He does bat in the middle of the lineup, though, against righties. I mean, well-earned at this point. He's crushing the ball. You know, I, I want to say, like, I would sell high on him, but I don't know that you would get – I don't know if the reputation is high enough Yeah, yeah, to where you're going to make it worth it. You might just He might just be more of a hold for me. What do you think? That's a tough one because – I think if somebody does just take a look at the stats and is willing to throw out like a a big offer for you, not a big offer, but like something substantial where you're getting, you know, similarly ranked players for the season, I would be very tempted to do it. I just think that if you're looking to, you're probably going to need people to come to you for Luke Rayleigh than to put Luke Rayleigh on your, your message board and say, Hey, this guy's available. And if you do, you're going to have to take Ryan's little thing and tell him all about it. Because in a casual league, I don't think Luke Rayleigh is going to be somebody who attracts a lot of things, but it's not a question of talent with him. He he's a guy that people have liked and were uh, really intrigued with as he was putting up some monster numbers in the minor leagues as well. The race get the best out of people. I mean, that is one of the things we can say. We can be frustrated as heck that they don't spend money and that they use silly excuses like their attendance for reasons why they don't spend money, which is we can go on a long podcast rant about how nonsensical that is in the year of 2023 as well. But I would absolutely, if somebody's making you an offer for Luke Rayleigh, yeah, consider it. He is a guy who um, probably is just going to be a platoon player. And I, as good as... Look, the thing about the Savant stuff, and we, we've talked about this ad nauseum. <laughs> I got my fourth one in. Uh, 
they are not predictive. They are just telling you whether or not they have earned the results that they have put up. They don't necessarily mean this is what the player is going to do going forward. It tells you, hey, if the stats are low, maybe take a look at this. That suggests it should go up or vice versa. So that's what that's the one thing I want to caution with Savant's. Uh, it's a wonderful tool, but it can be used very irresponsibly, just like any other tool, I suppose. But long story short, yeah, if somebody's making you me a quality offer for Luke Rayleigh, I'm definitely considering it. If I have to hang on to him and ride the hot streak, that's okay as well. Uh, I want to talk real quick about somebody who's on the injured list, but who has been excellent so far in Eduardo Rodriguez. Now, on the injured list right now with a finger issue, uh, has thrown some bullpens. We really don't have a clear ETA the last time that I checked on Eduardo Rodriguez, but he's been really good. And I got to tell you, he's somebody that I would be looking to sell high on because if he's still on the Detroit Tigers, I do not like that situation whatsoever. That changes considerably if he's healthy and is traded to a contender. And look, there are some decent starting pitchers who I think are going to be on the market. But I would put Eduardo Rodriguez up there with the starters who actually could be available. Now, maybe getting less of a return because of his current contract situation than some other guys like Shane Bieber and such. But if Eduardo Rodriguez does get traded to a team that can actually score runs, and shout out to the Tigers scoring seven yesterday. Um, they knew that I was going to say negative things about them, I guess. Um, I think that this is a really interesting situation here because the case for selling is the fact that the Tigers stink. And the case for picking up is the Tigers stink. Now, all of this, too, is bodes on whether or not Eduardo Rodriguez can come back in the next couple of weeks as well. It looks like with a finger injury, it shouldn't be something that keeps him out for all that much longer, uh, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Where do you side on the Eduardo Rodriguez thing? Would you be looking to sell now, uh, which is difficult to do for a traded player, or would you be looking to maybe buy some more shares of him because of the fact that he's been so good and could be playing for a contender? I mean, I think given his situation, hold is probably the best answer um, just because, you know, Trading a guy who's currently injured, always tricky. Um, and like you mentioned, all those, all the fantasy owners, your owner, owners in your league are also going to be aware that he plays for the Detroit Tigers. Um, <laughs> probably going to be playing for a, a different team in six weeks, I would say. He does have that. Um, he has an opt-out at the end of the season, which, I mean, if he keeps pitching when healthy as he was before he was healthy – or before he was hurt, um, that he's certainly going to exercise that. So um, I would bank on strikeouts more than anything else with him. He's always been a reliable source for for strikeouts. I think the ERA is certainly due to come up. But as you mentioned, you know, if he goes to a contender and gets more run support, he's a guy who can pitch deep into games at times. Um, could be a good source of wins down the stretch. Um, so I, I think he's probably more of a hold just for the situation he's in, but Fair. I do like the, I do like the strikeout uh, potential with, uh, with Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, another guy who's striking out plenty of guys and also getting plenty of, plenty of wins this year and a, a breakout season for Mr. Mitch Keller, the number 12 overall pitcher so far. Eight wins, a 341 ERA. 
112 whip, 101 to 23 strikeout to walk rate in 87 innings. And you look at the XERA, 332, XFIP, 327. Actually says he's maybe gotten slightly unlucky there. Mm-hmm. He has – there's no one pitch he has that has a like a big whiff rate. He's got four different pitches, though. They're in the 20 to 28% whiff rate range. Right. Um, kind of surprising. I I don't know if you saw it. Did you, did you see the Pitching Ninja gif of uh, his sweeper the other day? Mitch, I Mitch Keller's. Oh my gosh. I mean, that was, <laughs> it went, he was facing a left-handed batter and it went like well outside off the outside corner, all the way off to the inside corner. And the guy just had, the batter just had no chance. Like it was <laughs> like seriously, like wiffle wall esque. Like I don't, nice. I'm not, I'm not sure how that, how that pitch doesn't have a higher whiff rate, but Probably not going to be able to make it spin it that well every time, but right. you know that that still is encouraging. That yes, he doesn't have one pitch that's got a super high whiff rate, but having multiple pitches you can go to um, to get moderate number of whiffs is also a good way to go about it as well. No pitch he has is at t- more than twenty five percent usage, so he's got a lot of pitches. He uses a lot of p- different pitches. He had a rough three-start stretch where he gave up 15 runs in 17 to third innings, but then this last time out, bounced back big time, seven innings, one run, two hits, seven strikeouts. So, you know, I Mitch Keller, former top prospect, obviously, and really underperformed the first few years, but I think sure. he's really turned a corner, and I don't, I don't love the Pirates backing him. Um, I know they're currently in first place. Um, at least I believe they're currently in first place up there anyway. And maybe their offense can be passable, but I, I would not count on a whole lot of wins. But, you know, I, I to a certain degree, I think he's definitely a, a guy who has earned this, earned this breakout. It's been so heartening for me to see it because I liked Mitch Keller so much as a prospect. And there were flashes of brilliance. There were times where he pitched really well, but there were times where he just flat out stunk. And it's been, I think, the fact that his usage has gotten better in terms of the stuff that he's offered. That was one of the intriguing things about him is that he could throw a bunch of pitches. It's what I really liked about Shane Boz, a former Pittsburgh Pirate prospect, kind of similar profiles. And you know, Boz will be an interesting by low candidate, uh, hopefully for the 2023 season. Uh, but yeah, I am all in on Mitch Keller. I, I wish he played for a, a better team. Um, the the Pirates, I just don't think are going to be. This is an interesting question that we just got asked. Uh, Mitch Keller or Merrill Kelly? Who? That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Um, I'm probably going Keller because I believe in his ability to miss bats a little bit more. But Kelly is interesting. Excuse me. I'm going with Keller because of his ability to miss bats a little bit more, but Kelly's been really good this year. I believe like the 16th ranked Yahoo pitcher this year, somebody that I consider talking about. Uh, if you had to pick one of the two, which one would you go with Ryan? I would lean Keller as well. I think yeah. the, the upside, especially as you mentioned from a strikeout perspective is, is higher, but you know, yeah. I'm definitely more of a believer in the diamondbacks being sustainably good than I am the Pirates. So I, I think Kelly, especially since he pitches deep into games, got 20-win potential. Um, 
obviously it's hard for anybody to get to that number, but I think he's probably got a better better shot than Mitch Keller. But I, I would lean towards Keller because of the uh, the bat missing ability. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, real quick to close this out, uh, Lane Thomas was somebody I was thinking about offering as a sell high but he's not rostered enough for me to do it. And now I kind of want to talk you into putting Lane Thomas on the maybe buy portion of it. I don't think people realize this guy has 10 homers. He's hit 288. He's ranked 63rd of all players in Yahoo fantasy baseball. And yet he's still available in three tenths of leagues. Having said that (laughs) he'd be somebody I'd look to be rostering right now and also trading pretty soon. Uh, Because look, I really like Lane Thomas as a prospect. Who who did he um uh, who did he get drafted by again? Uh, oh, he was actually drafted by the Blue Jays. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, I, think but... the Car- I think the Cardinals got him for like a international uh, bonus slot. That is correct. Uh, but it's it's worth pointing out that he is another Cardinal that is playing well elsewhere. For as good as that franchise has been, Ryan, there sure are a lot of really good players that would look decent in those units. Do you remember who they traded him for, by the way? The no. Trubico? John Lester. John Lester. Do you remember Cardinal? John Lester finishes his career as a Cardinal? Cardinals. Cardinals legend. Yes. Uh, but for Lane Thomas, who has been – excellent this year for a team that uh, not a lot of people he had. By the way, I did just confirm he was drafted by the Blue Jays in the fifth round. We regret the air. I'm not so sure this is sustainable. If you take a look at the metrics, the only thing that's well above average is speed. Um, you know, the power has shown up very nicely uh, in 2023. It was the kind of the biggest question mark about him uh, going forward is whether or not that power could show up in a on a consistent basis. So I'd be looking to roster him if possible, because again, available in three out of 10 leagues, that really does surprise me. But at the same time, if somebody is willing to make you a significant, serious offer for Lane Thomas, I think you have to consider it very quickly. And you're probably just saying yes. Yeah. I mean, that is a little surprising that he's not rostered more and he's been, he's been batting lead off for the Nats for, for a while, the Nationals lineup actually hasn't been terrible, no. especially against against lefties. Um, but yeah, Lane Thomas is. Uh, I would not count on him being uh, viable in three outfielder leagues uh, rest of the season. I think he'd be perfectly adequate in five outfielder leagues. Uh, maybe he, he's a guy who could potentially get traded. Uh, I think it would make sense for the. Nationals, if he's keeps this keeps up this high streak for another six weeks or so, um, kind of sell high on him at that point. And I think fantasy managers, if able, could probably sell high on on him as well. Um, one guy I think I'm buying into, not necessarily ne- not necessarily selling high on Zach Eflin. Mm. I mean, we've done a lot of uh, Ray's praising on this podcast. I feel like, but yeah. You got to trust the Rays, man. Everybody was um, surprised when they give Zach, Zach Eflin a $40 million contract, the largest uh, yeah. non-current Ray contract they've ever handed out. But, I mean, he's been fantastic. He had never posted a sub-4 ERA prior to the season, um, reached 150 innings once. But now he's the number 18 pitcher in fantasy so far. Eight wins, 328 ERA, one one even whip. 
72 strikeouts, 11 walks over 71 and a third innings. You look at the XERA, 290. Actually looks like he's been a little unlucky there. XFIP, 307. The curve and the cutter usage are both up. Um, Curveball spin is up. Ground ball rate is way up. Um, as we know, the Rays are just really good at getting the best out of guys. They know how to use the the repertoire to to their advantage. Um, I also have noticed that Eflin has gotten uh, extra rest on eight of his twelve starts so far this season. So they've been able to kind of manipulate manipulate the schedule to get him some some extra rest. Important for a guy who's you could probably count on an aisle stint at some point for uh, Zach Eflin. He's had lots of uh, knee issues over the years, um, but he's also had just crazy home home road splits this season. Like just been absolutely dominant at home. And I know there's some some conspiracy theories out there about the Rays kind of manipulating things at home. I don't know if you've seen those. Like they turn the – I think it was like similar to the old Metrodome stuff you used to hear about. Like they turn on the air conditioning to blow in when the opposing team is <laughs> – nonsense, I'm sure, is what it is. Yeah, but that's funny though. It is notable because he's been way better at home than he has on the road. Um, sure. The only thing that get, would give me pause with F1, though, is the uh, the workload. As I mentioned, he's only reached 150 innings, innings once in his career. Um, is he going to head back to the IL at some point? Probably a pretty decent bet. Because they spaced out those starts, he's actually only on pace for like 160-ish innings, which certainly would be doable. Um, but I would count on at least one IL stint at some point. Um, he's a guy with elite, elite control though. He's going to be a, a very good, uh, guy in whip and trust the rays. They know how to best use that, that repertoire, but, uh, it's a little, um, a little, I'm riding the fence a little bit because I do think he's probably going to get hurt at some point. Yeah, I'm I'm selling high on Eflin to be honest with you. And here's I'm going to give you three numbers as to why. And I know we just talked about Savant, so he's a guy who's posted a 3.28 ERA somehow with a fastball velocity in the bottom 13th percentile, a whiff percentage in the bottom 38th percentile, and the page of course just crashed on me. But he's not avoiding barrels at an elite rate whatsoever. That scares the heck out of me, man. And uh, the fact that Eflin has also had. Um, a mixed history. You know, it's not like Eflin's a 24 or 25 year old. We have seen kind of Eflin at his best and also at his worst. Um, I like him. There's certainly, you don't have to go trade him, but at the same time, if I don't think you can necessarily expect the same results, that'll be a really interesting one to follow because um, I think he's probably one of the most volatile in the fantasy community about some people really liking Eflin for the rest of the year and somebody that, you know, who's kind of a sell low, uh, a sell high type of guy. Uh, real quick, Ryan, we've got a very important question for you. Can Ricky Fowler do this? Can this finally be his first major? Is Ricky Fowler going to take this thing home? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I saw that he was at the top of the leaderboard, but that's the extent that I followed the US Open. Okay. So, I, I don't know that I feel qualified 
to answer that question. Ricky Fowler, though, by the way, Cardinals fan, so I'm rooting for him. There you go. Yeah, that's a pretty loaded leaderboard that he has to beat up, but he's kind of the uh, the the probably the the best young golfer who hasn't won a major yet. So I'm rooting for him in that regard too. Plus, he wears really cool outfits, and uh, anybody who can pull off orange like that deserves to win a major. That's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Road to Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter. I'm at Crawford underscore MILB. Ryan is at Ryan P. Boyer. Rate and review the show if you like what you're hearing. Subscribe if you really like what you're hearing. Uh, and make sure to check us out every single day because we have new episodes every single day for the rest of the season. So, yeah, that was fun. And we'll be back next week, hopefully talking about Ricky Fowler taking home a US Open. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.